0: This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. What's up, welcome Smooth Operators. It's Friday, you know what that means. I have another amazing expert to bring onto the show, and we're going to be diving into one of my absolute favorite topics. I I love everything about leadership and learning to become a better leader. Cause really, it's the act of like consciously trying to become a better leader. Like, if you can say, like, I want to become a better leader, then just that intention takes you down a pathway of incredible just fulfillment, incredible discovery, not only in like what you can do as a team leader, but in what you're truly capable of inside because leadership does start from within. So if you want to become a better leader, it a lot of it really starts from what we're doing inside and the habits we keep and the way we approach life. It's so rewarding. And so that's why I am absolutely thrilled to bring onto the show Maggie Periton. She's from stairway to leadership.com. Uh, Maggie's a business and leadership coach who helps service-based entrepreneurs attract paying clients consistently and without overwhelm. Love that. Um, <laughs> she has over 15 years of coaching and leadership experience in the corporate world. And in addition to holding a facility management administration designation, she has a master's degree in international relations and has earned, and get this, an executive MBA at the Jack Welch Management Institute. I've read that book like 10 times, the book about Jack. I love it. So thank you so much for joining me uh, today, Maggie. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. And you know what? Such a great intro you did because I'm thinking like, oh my God, we're so aligned on leadership, like 100%. I don't think we have like a lot of differences what we think leadership is. And where it starts and you know how it goes so i'm happy to be here
0: yeah let's explore let's share things and i'm sure we're i'm going to be taking notes the whole podcast episode because i'm always learning it's that's but that's part of being a leader right it's that always learning mentality and just understanding that man we're just we're we're always like one thing away and someone Mm -hmm. once told me you know if you can learn one thing for the day you you've accomplished your mission for the day but it's very early in the day. So I don't want to, well, I'm going to keep learning (laughs) anyway.
1: Don't rest on laurels after our interview.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Fantastic. So you have an amazing background. I'd love to hear just a, a brief intro about what brought you to this, this wonderful place where you're now helping entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, so quickly, um, I'm originally Polish, I live in Canada in Toronto, but I was born and raised pretty much up to 27 years old in Poland. So the very first 11 years of my life were under communist regime. I'm probably like the last generation that remembers how it is to, to live under communist regime. Again, not as an adult, but as a child, there's a difference there. And then um, After I finished studies in Poland, Poland was going through a lot of reforms and change because of communist regime collapse. And when I came out of university, there was like a 20% unemployment in the country. Um, Now I had jobs because I was educated. I lived in a big city and so on, but there weren't jobs that you would think like, I will have the life of my dreams while working those jobs, (laughs) making $300 a month. So through a conversation with a friend, I found out about Canadian immigration system. It's a little bit different than in the U.S. I applied, got a permanent residency, and I immigrated. And it was first flight in my life was actually moving to Canada. So as you can imagine, I've never been to North America before, but, you know, I really enjoy it here. And through that, I started my career in North America in corporate. I speak French, so it's a very, it's a beneficial thing in Canada. So I relatively quickly secured an entry-level position in a facility management corporation because of that. And then I grew my career in facility management industry from, you know, agent answering the phones about broken toilet to a director of operations and many, uh, many... Uh, yeah, many different things in between, you know, <laughs> managing buildings and projects and data and people throughout most of my career, and that really led me to coaching. I realized I was super passionate about leading people and helping them grow and become leaders and become better. And when I got to the point in my corporate career, or one, I had a burnt out, which I guess it's common. <laughs> That got me thinking about, well, do I really want to grow further in the corporate world? Because I'm like you, I believe we all should grow. I love growth. It's something that motivates me learning. So I never was stagnant in a position. And the more I looked at it, the more the answer was no. I want to do more of what I'm passionate about. I want to do it my way on my terms. And that led me to starting my coaching business in and out.
0: That's so fascinating. There's two things that stick out to me there, Maggie. It's the amount of fortitude and bravery it took to make that move at 27. Like that's, I I I'm a big fan of like pivot points in life and like Mm -hmm. looking back at them. and, And we all have them in our own lives. And for when I hear your story, I'm like, wow, like that's incredible to leave everything, to immigrate, and then to take the first position you took and then build from that position. It's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's such a fascinating origin story. And I, I love everything about it because it, it says so much about the strength, the inner strength that you have. And, you. and that's, I think that's really part of the inner secret of, of how you've built this life for yourself. It's that strength that you've, you've cultivated and leaned upon and just trusted. And it's amazing.
1: Thank you. You know what, <clears throat> I think um, there's, you know, before the show, we chatted a little bit for, about my grandfather, right, who is a veteran, or was a veteran, just like, and he had a very positive outlook on life. And this man went through, you know, hell, if you think about the war and being forced to move out from what's currently Ukraine, what's used to be Poland, and then towards Western Poland that used to be Germany, like, you know, history lesson quickly. Um, yes. And if he always looked and and challenges in the communist regime being, you know, pursued and whatever, always looked at the bright side. Like this man was so positive. And I always like, I take that from him. And whenever I try to be, you know, my negative brain goes and tries to complain, I'm like, you have nothing to complain <laughs> just change your perspective there is nothing you have to complain so I guess that always helped me to say like what is the best I can take out of this situation right there is always positive and when I compare my situation to people who went through so much worth and even are going through in different parts of the world <clears throat> excuse me there's really nothing you can yeah. complain about and from there you can find a lot of positives in whatever situation you're in so.
0: For sure. Oh, man. Well, I think we found our rabbit hole right there because we can dive down that. Um, <laughs> so we are talking in the pre-interview about rabbit holes and like, you know, interviews wonderful because they have this conversational way to them. So how is it that having that positive outlook, like how has that enabled you to become a better leader?
1: It allowed me to, and I mean, positive, not delusional, like I'm a realist. Yes positive right like where there's challenges i see them and so on but it it helped i guess for me even you know when i look at the times that were hard in in for my team when i was a leader always trying to see okay well what can we do about this right i actually Mm -hmm. um talked about today about radical responsibility for my audience, right? Taking radical responsibility for everything in your business and looking even at the things that you don't have control over, looking at like, what is in my control, right? What can I learn from this? How can I turn this around? And so on. So for me, that's where my positive outlook was helping because then I wasn't freaking out, right? Like I always think like a leader needs to be calm and grounded in whatever situation. Like imagine you're going to an e- ER and there's an emergency going on and the doctors and nurses are freaking out. Would not go well for anybody, right? When they're calm and grounded, they're able to manage the situation, gather the troops like, and help everybody the best way. So as a leader, right, I really think we need to work. We we should have that calm demeanor about us, especially in front of the team. You can freak out on your own in front of your boss, whatever. But when you're leading a team in front of your team, you need to have that process and then calmly and groundly say, "Okay, it's not, you know, acknowledging that it's not what we want or there is challenges in front of us. It's not about ignoring that fact, because our teams are intelligent people, they know. So if you don't acknowledge, there will be a skepticism about it, and so on. So acknowledging that, but then redirecting them, okay, what can we do about it? Let's try to figure it out together, depending on the situation, right? Let's let's do that and move forward. So I think that always helped me, in leading the team, but even individually, my team members who are coming to me with different challenges, sometimes personal, sometimes not, and helping them kind of redirect their brain, right? To so process whatever is happening, but also redirect to, well, okay, what is in your control? What can you learn from it? What can you do about it?
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that way of flipping the script because it, it, it takes us from victim mentality into action yes, mentality where that's right. we're now looking for the next steps as opposed to just lamenting on the reality yeah. of the situation.
1: Yeah. 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 I, so I don't cool. think I've ever sat a lot in victim mentality. I just don't like it. It just, you know, like, so what? Like when you're in victim mentality, nothing changes. That's, yeah. you know, really. So it's, and, and I'm not saying don't process and acknowledge a challenging situation and have compassion for you. Do that because that allows you to move on. But at some point you got to get out and kick yourself in the butt and say, okay, what am I going to do now?
0: <laughs> for sure. So I know one thing I've always not struggled with, but I've, like, I've had to process mm-hmm. when we'd have negative things like let's say a, a month then it go well and the pnl looks like crap and like yeah. you have to deliver this news to the team like do you have any ways that have been effective for you to like internalize that and process it through before you get in front of the team
1: yeah um so some of it is having some to bitch to <laughs> <laughs> enraged <laughs> so very often it, it was my boss i most of the time i had a good relationship with my bosses and i was able to do that and so go in and say i don't like this this is ridiculous what the hell <laughs> you know and them kind of helping because that just venting that's what i said like venting right it leaves this team out and allows you to calm down. And when you calm down, you gain access to that executive thinking, right? The reaction and high emotions, when the emotions are high, intelligence is low. So so you need to just get it out. So quite often I was able to do that with my boss and they held that safe space for me. And I think that's one thing of an important of a leader that when you have a team that trusts you and you trust them, you need to be able to create space for each individual member, team member to do that with you in private, right? It's not maybe the place to do in public or in a meeting where it can affect negatively other team members, but in private, when you can process that, we're human, of course, if there's challenging times, things you don't agree with, if you don't let it out, it will bubble and come out in the most inappropriate or the you know, not in the in the best time, right? So I was able to do that. So that's one. <laughs> sometimes yes. um and sometimes you know, privately either with my husband or somebody you trust and so on. So let that out. Um, and then another thing really like what helps my mind is redirect okay what can I do about it what's good about it what can we do because then my brain calms down and say okay we have a plan there's a way out or there's a way to move forward and that automatically kind of calms our brain because then it has those steps right our brain likes structure talking about operations right or when you have kids they like structure it likes to know next steps and if that it doesn't have it and there's a lot of uncertainty that's when it freaks out So, when you create that plan, even if it's short term, even if it's okay, those are the two next steps we can do. Maybe I don't know everything, but the two next steps I can do, it calms you down. And then you just go and implement. But yeah, having somebody to vent is important.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why I talk about this repeatedly that CEO, COO relationship is special. And it has to be transparent, it has to be radically. Just open.
1: It has to be it has for each other.
0: Be. I mean, the yeah. CEO. You could be the second command, and the CEO just goes off on something, and you got to understand that when you you have someone venting to you, they're they're not always asking you to solve
1: it. Yeah, they're just, just needing to
0: someone to just to shut yeah. up and listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can do it both ways because my bosses came to me too because they felt they could trust me because they felt that none of it would ever get out anywhere and they could just vent. And sometimes we would brainstorm together to help them. And sometimes that's all they needed to just vent and move on, right? Yes. And and I agree with you that CEO-CEO dynamic is very important, right? And you want that built on trust, respect and, and mutual recognition that, yeah, we're human and it's okay if we... Talk openly with each other. Um, just sometimes, yeah. Just sometimes to say things, to pro- because that allows us to process, right? The things that we say out loud as we start saying them, it allows us to process. Like I read this book once, and I don't remember now. It was for coaches, right? So um, it escapes me. However, the 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 concept there that the author uh, presented was that anybody talking through things, even to a lamppost will feel better. So mm. even if you just talk to a wall or a lamppost just to get things out and process, it will make you feel better. <laughs> it's always better with another human being. But
0: <laughs> yes. I joke that the, the walls in my office have heard more F words than any other room <laughs> in my house, just from me needing to vent things. Um, but yeah, <laughs> You know, there's one thing to yell it at a wall, but like that person to person really, uh, that's just so Mm. critical because that's, we're humans and that's part of the human experience is those relationships that we're cultivating. Yeah
1: especially if you're in industries that are high stress fast paced there's lots going on you know i was in facility management like the company i used to work for managed millions of square footage of sometimes critical environments facilities so if you have 30 50,000 buildings that some of them have critical environments in them. There will something that happens in those buildings every day. And sometimes they're not that urgent. Sometimes they're more urgent and depending on your industry, right? So there's always something coming up, whether you want it or not. So especially in those industries that are high stress, all fast-paced, and there's things happening, you need to have that ability.
0: I love that. Wow. So a couple of key takeaways already is like have an outlet, be able to release that negative emotion. So you can start focusing on the here and now and next steps. And then your team's looking to you to come with a plan, even if it's short term, even if it's just to get us to the next step, when we put structure and things in motion, we help calm things down and get people into action, which helps to solve the problem and just really help work through the things that, that we're we're dealing with on a regular basis. And I think that's like, it gets us into like the broader topic of what leadership is and like how to actually cultivate uh, our leadership. And I'd love to dive down that hole about ways that we can become a better leader.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would tell you in a sec, it was just one thing that I I want to say, like, where you can also create a plan with your team so you can involve them, right? And say, help me here, but you need to have your anger or whatever it is processed, right? You cannot come angry or freaking out or in despair to your team asking for that you need to process these emotions be calm and grounded accept the situation and then ask for their help because you know in in today's day and age very often we are not the experts of everything right depending on the type of team you lead they are an expert in something and they can come up or Together, you can come up with much better solutions than your own that you on your own, and you don't have to always put that pressure on yourself as a leader either. Like you have your team to help you, but you cannot put stress on them through because they have unprocessed emotions, right? Because that's not right. going to help anybody. Now, to go back to your question, I really believe, just like you, that first of all, I really believe we're all leaders. Everybody in on this planet is a leader because the first thing or something you lead is yourself. And then sometimes you lead a family. Sometimes you volunteer. Sometimes you do other things. You have brothers and sisters that look up to you, right? You are a leader. And the better that what's leadership for me is really being intentional to operate at your best, to think, feel, and operate at your best. And when you can do that, that pursuit for growth and being better, and you know how intentionally do that, then you can actually lead other people because you understand how it works. So then leadership of people is really, how do you say, um, extracting or empowering people to do their best, to operate at their best towards a common goal right? Because when you have a team, there's a common goal that we lead them. But the way you lead them is through them becoming their best. And when you know how to do it with yourself, you can do it with others. So that's my definition of leadership.
0: I love it. And yeah, I've read every bit of 50 to 100 books on leadership. And it's funny, they all kind of go back to self.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just I don't think there's any other way. Truly don't.
0: Mm It's and self-development is not, oh, I read this book. I went to this course. (laughs) I went to a conference. Um, For me, self-development is daily. It's the continued pursuit of finding my equilibrium, finding my strengths and building them up. So I know I have my routines. I'd love to hear about some of the routines that you've put in place that have helped you continue to develop.
1: For sure. And and as you say, like, it's not about just Absorbing the knowledge, which we're taught really through school, right? Absorb, absorb, write a test. Great, yes. you want to move on, right? <laughs> uh, it's actually implementing it because knowledge is only power when you use it. If you can't implement it, then you can have all the knowledge in the world, but it's not gonna help. So for me, I have routines as well. And it came, um, you know, I've built it over the years, so. I'm going to say to listeners, don't get scared. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> so I'm an early riser. I actually get up very early. at 4.30, Monday to Friday, usually to Saturday. Sunday, I let myself sleep. Saturday, it depends. But, um, but Monday to Friday, it's been like that for the past almost five years. So like, you know, in the past, I didn't do that, but, you know, slowly. And the first couple of hours or for me so it's you know I do stretching I do meditation and then I do self-development meaning if there's a skill particular I spend like at least an hour during that time to learn journal and then kind of think about how am I going to implement it and so on um so that's my I love it I will you know keep it uh, forever. <laughs> um, I really love that time. Kids are asleep, you know, by the time yep. they need to get up to go to school, then I'm already grounded, ready for the day. So that's one. The second routine that really helps me and habit is weekly planning. So I don't have a to-do list anymore. I used to in my corporate world. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> so, So I don't have a to-do list. I don't decide the day off what I'm going to do. I decide a week ahead of time. Um, And it's all aligned with my strategic plan for my business and my priorities. I let myself focus on three strategic priorities and then align my actions with them. And then I decide, yeah, a week ahead, I plan. Yes, I sometimes need readjustment, but it's actually so much easier when I know what I have planned. Then when I don't. And if I need to look at the day, okay, this is what I have going today, that's fine. But that's another huge, huge, you know, <clears throat> habit that is helpful. And I guess the third one, there's like little ones that I'm probably forgetting, is journaling. And I have kind of three ways that are journal. So one is, I call it mindset maintenance. So I come from like construction, facility management industry. And the concept is, you know, if you maintain a car or a piece of equipment on a regular basis, you look into it, then it doesn't break as often. It operates at high level and so on. So I believe that about mind because I've tested it on me and my clients. It works. So when you every day do something, it will help you. Stay at a higher level of thinking and more more grounded energy for longer. And even if you get into a rat hole a little bit, it's faster, you get out faster and it's not as bad. So for me, you know, it looks a little bit like practicing gratitude or thinking about things you're proud of yourself and so on. So those are like little things. It's literally like five to 10 minutes a day. And then the the other part of journaling is really diving and super thinking, accessing your executive brain and solutioning certain problems or working on certain things of projects that I work or how can I help my clients better and so on. So spending quiet time, now I call it CEO time, spending time in quiet to really access your super thinking CEO and create solutions and so on. I also teach that to my clients. (laughs) So fun.
0: I love it so much. Yes, I'm an early riser too. I, I beat you up by a little bit. I'm at four, I'm a 4 a.m.
1: All right, riser. you go. I don't. At four, it sounded like when I was started thinking, it just sounded way too bad. I was like, I can do it within four thirty. So if I get up, I will have an hour. Well, my kids wake like, up at
0: six, so I need four to okay. get my okay, two yeah. hours in.
1: Yeah, so. my kids wake up at seven, so you know, There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: And I love where you ended uh, just talking about the absolute superpower that sitting in silence is. I found Mm -hmm. so much strength in silence and revelations. Um, One of my business coaches taught me to, when I'm doing quarterly planning, I begin it with four hours of silence, absolute silence. And it's amazing what happens when you do that. You, you access these layers of your subconscious. I am not the expert to talk about this. I'm just the student. So, um, Mm -hmm. but I know it works incredibly well for me. And you have some interesting conversations with yourself after a couple hours of complete (laughs) silence. It's pretty amazing, but it is indeed a, it's a superpower when you, when you can access that level. It's amazing.
1: You too. And you know, I'm I'm not a neuroscientist, an expert, but I've read a lot about how our brain functions and even like through coaching tools and stuff. And the thing is that when you are into day-to-day, going from one task to another, you are in operational mode, right? So you're into operations and so on. And our brain cannot switch easily from that into strategic thinking and strategic thinking. That's what it is. You're accessing creative brain, like solutioning and so on. And it needs space. Creativity needs space and time for the brain is that space, right? No distractions, no nothing. Um, and, And sometimes like having some good questions, either asking yourself or as a coach, like I ask my clients good questions, right? And sitting with those questions, just it gives you access to wisdom you really didn't know you had. And mm. that's the power of it, right? That's how you like become, I call it being a high performer, thinking it's your best, but that's what it is, right? Accessing things that we didn't know we had because, you know, I don't remember the start of so what, 5%? We use our brain 5%. So even if you could increase it by three, yeah. how much would it be? right? How much wisdom, how much better and the results, better results you could create just by that.
0: And it it feels so counterintuitive where, how do you access that? And I just tell people, well, do nothing. Like, what do you mean? Like, literally just do nothing and let your brain do what it does. Stop doing. And we have these amazing machines that Mm -hmm. have been created for us and they'll they'll do what they do if we get out of their way,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, it's the most powerful computer in the world, right? We don't have computers more powerful than our brain. We can't create them yet. I love <laughs> it. <you> want it.
0: <laughs> so we we talk about you, you you hit on high performance and all that, and I'm I'm always intrigued by the idea that us as leaders, like I think, the best thing that we can possibly do to impact the growth of our company is to install a leadership and high performance culture yeah. within our team. And I'd love to hear what ways that we can do that for at the not only the strategic level, but then like tactical application to creating that culture in our in our teams.
1: Um. So tactically, of course, there's a lot of things, and I probably will miss. A lot of them, so don't take it as an exclusive list, (laughs) but just as any examples. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is really, as you have a team, play to their strengths, right? So play to what they love doing, what they're good at, and use it. Ask them for help. Ask them questions. People love to help. People love to contribute because they find purpose in it. When you play to their strengths and then use that, as a team, you become richer, highly functioning, highly operating. That's why. But in order to do that, you also need to get to know. So like another thing is create a space. And we talked about it, right? For your team members to Mm -hmm. be feel safe. and. Not be afraid of retribution when they speak up, when they see challenges or see problems or things that don't work for them, whether they don't work for the entire team or just for them, it doesn't matter, right? Like, allow them to come to you and talk to you because you will become so much more wiser through that and you will be able to see what there is to improve in the team operation or not okay sometimes a team member can come with a with a suggestion or an idea that won't work and that's okay but when you listen to it think through it and then tell them why this won't work and so on they will be respectful of it that's not a problem right but but bring that create that that environment where suggestions and ideas for innovation are more important than pretending that everything is okay or that, you know, that, oh, I'm becoming, I don't know, I bring bad news to the boss. I bring something, right? No, just anything. Now it needs to be managed to an extent, but, you know, good ideas, right? In the spirit of um, growing the team, growing the business and so on. Even if they they they're opposite to what we're doing now, it doesn't matter. So that um, another thing is, and it depends on your team, right? It depends on the team, but empower them with good operational structure and a good flow of information communication. So there are teams, depending who need processes, right? Every team needs processes. But if you're a creative team or you have a lot of independent, you know, depending on whether your team is um, entry level or whether they're a higher manager and so on, right? That structure is different. But without structure, without certain processes, people can get lost and the chaos is created. And I'm sure, Adam, you, you know, resonate with it, Um So when people know what's expected of them, the main way to do it and so on, and then you just leave flexibility for exceptions or different situations or innovation, then that empowers them to actually use their brain and energy for innovation and not like trying to figure out what am I doing today, right? Right. So then, that communication with the, the team has to be smooth. The channel of communication, keeping everybody on the same—what um, do you say? Like on the same—I'm
0: same page. Same, same page. That's right. Yeah.
1: Keeping everybody on the same page, and and. Letting them know that, you know, if they follow the process or whatever, they're good, right? Having their back, making sure that they feel you have their back as it was, right? That if they made a judgment call, but they follow the process or whatever that maybe didn't turn out okay, it's okay. It's not going to cost them a job, right? Right. They just made the judgment call because then you empower the team to think for themselves and not come to yeah. you with every a little thing, right? Right. Um. So definitely that, like good clear communication, letting them have their judgment calls, having some processes that that create structure for creativity, for high performance, for Mm -hmm. things. Um, That's I think like, and just just from that, from
0: (laughs) from my own experience, like if you're hearing this thing and like, gosh, this feels like a lot of work. Well. But the, the thing is like all this structure that you're creating for your team is also now structured for yourself as a leader yes. as well. Yes. So if you structure this, they you can do. actually manage your team in one to two hours a day because it's now structured, because you have mm-hmm. a flow mm-hmm. to it, a cadence, a rhythm, a routine.
1: Exactly.
0: So it actually exactly. You know, more work up front to install the structures means less work on the back end, but better results. So it's yes. like win-win.
1: Yes. Well, I will tell you like the, the story from my early days as a manager. I was hired to um fix up a team. So it's was actually the story was my former manager who interacted with the team that I became manager later called me up one day and I was in a different position. I wasn't even looking for a position within the same company, but she called me up and said, Maggie, like the manager, the seventh manager that year left, they need you. You need to go. I'm tired of dealing with them. My team is tired. Like they need you can, you know, think about applying. So I was thinking, "Hmm, why not? Great opportunity. I applied. Um, and it was a dysfunctional team, but it it wasn't in a way their fault. You know, when you have, again, seven managers in a year and no processes, you don't know what's going on. It's chaos, right? Yeah. And I say, like, with, they were understaffed and so on. Within a year, maybe a year and a half, we saved the company quarter of a million dollars. And the team became super highly performing. And because of that, because it was a core team that 200 of other people depended on her, the company was positioned to make even more money because of Mm. it. And it didn't really require as much work because when you put there, think about how much time and effort it takes to deal with chaos and the low-performing team, how much stress it creates. So why not put that effort and less stress into building up a high-performing team with structure where the team members know what's expected of them, where they know you know, how they can succeed, what makes them successful and so on, the communication is good, there's some processes. And they feel amazing and they stay because they're like, hey, I'm contributing. It's making a difference. I can see that. And then, you know, you will create opportunities for them and yourself. Yeah. And you will save time not dealing with a bunch of stuff that's not needed to be, right?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, man, I love that. You're speaking my language, Maggie. <laughs> it's, and it's funny you know, we talk about creating a safe space and that phrase has gotten like this negative implication with, you know, the culture of today, but I got to tell you, um, I am a straight up alpha male. Like, I'm that's who I am. It's Mm -hmm. uh, who I'll always be. It's part of my, my, my programming, but I was never more proud than one of of my team members said, dude, you created a safe space for me where I could really thrive. And I saw the results of what it did for him on the team, what Mm -hmm. it did for the whole team to be able to come together and just grow in exponential fashion. Like if that, if that phrase gives you, Ooh, that's a negative phrase, change it to whatever you got it. You got to change it to, but it has the same implications. You're providing that place for people to express themselves and be vulnerable and be honest and forthright.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't mean, and you're right. Like, being straightforward and candid or however you want to call it has nothing to do with creating a safe space actually it does create a safe space because what doesn't create a safe space you're not telling your team members when they have opportunities for growth or whatever and then going behind their back and either demoting them or whatever like bringing surprises out of nowhere right or saying one thing in a Public meeting and saying something in one to one, like it's just it's okay to be candid in a respectful manner because at least it's straight. You're not watering down the message, and if that's the way you are, that's okay. It's being respectful while you do that, not putting people down, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, making them feel really for me safe is fair. If you come to me and tell me what you think, and bringing with the best intentions that, hey, this doesn't work in this, then my job is to look at them and say, okay, let's see, how can I, you know, how can I improve it, right? Because it benefits us all. Or if you come to me and, you know, you, you have some challenges going on, whether they're personal, it's okay. I can listen to it. It doesn't mean, again, it's not about allowing people hitting themselves forever, because that's not what coaches do. That's not what parents do. You don't let your child whine for ages over something, but to listen to them, hear them out, and then tell them if they need to hear something or tell them how is it going to be, whether they like it or not. Right? As a leader, sometimes we need to deliver the messages that not everybody will like, and that's okay, but it can be done in a respectful and safe space. And if people choose not to like it, then that's their choice right
0: yeah i love that flip of the script it's it's about being fair yeah and yeah like we are culturally and we're we're programmed to want fairness i mean that's part of the human experience and if you can cultivate that man i i i I know you've seen it as well like the results that has for your team is it's amazing to watch what happens
1: Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm it's amazing. It's amazing to see. I believe everybody is capable of things, right? Not everybody is great at everything. That's why you want to play to people's strength. But when you play to people's strength, they can just amaze you how, I, how good they can be and how, can they, how much they can contribute to everybody. It's just you just need to let them, empower them, create a space for them to do that.
0: Wow. I love that so much. So if someone comes to you and everything's a mess, like, I don't know what, all this sounds really good and pie in the sky, Maggie, Mm -hmm. and I want to get there eventually. What's the first step any of us can take when we want to go down this path of creating a company with these kind of structures?
1: Look at yourself first and ask yourself a tough question. How am I creating this? What's my role in this? I know but it can be. And maybe it's an unintentional and very often it's unintentional, but even if it's unintentional, it doesn't mean we don't create it. And we, we need to get to the root cause, right? So if it's unintentional, that's okay. But that's why, you know, just like you, Adam and I were coaches who can bring that intention or awareness to our clients, because they don't see like, as human beings, we all have a blind spots i have them you have them everybody has them right and especially with things that are subconscious with certain habits certain ways of communication the way we are which just because it's just part of who we are so we don't see certain things right? right so having that somebody a little bit like show a mirror to you but like in a in a gentle safe way to say hey but maybe that's what's creating right that but if you don't have that or you don't want it you can look at yourself and if you sit enough long enough with it your brain will show you how am I contributing or creating it and that's without blaming yourself or feeling shame on the shame and so on but just objectively to say okay and start there right yeah you can always ask your team that's also oh, like, yes. not be comfortable, <laughs> right that's why there's a lot of like emotions that you need to learn how to process because it might not be comfortable but you could and there's tools to do it you can do like 360 or whatever you can do it anonymously right if you don't want to know like I'm sure that HR manager whatever they can help you arrange for it but that's a great tool as well because my goodness it's not about like one person saying something but if you have a recurring theme a few people saying the same thing that's probably true right Yeah. one of thing, you never know, right? Like, But if if few people are seeing the same thing and saying the same thing, that's probably true and explore how is that true and how can you improve it? I would start there.
0: (laughs) I love that so much, not just because it works. I know it works. I've done that. But what it actually does to you in your brain is you have to take responsibility,
1: yeah, which is
0: the one thing like we avoid at all costs. <laughs> Much to our detriment is taking responsibility for our situations. And mm-hmm. ooh, it's tough. I mean, it is tough.
1: It's tough, but that's the only way. That's the only way to get better. And really like when I work with my clients who are you know, small business owners, someone that's the only way to grow, grow business. If you blame everything and everybody in the economy and then so on, then you become enslaved to the economy, to this, to that, whereas you can yeah. create your own economy. You can create your own things and be your business results can be independent to an extent to, to like other things when you take that radical responsibility. So
0: Wow. I worked with a coach once who, it was, it was part of the exercise was, like everything that happened in your day, how were you responsible for that? So mm-hmm. if if you were stuck in traffic, okay, great. Was that someone else's fault or did you have a responsibility in that?
1: Yeah, you could have I checked. Mean- you could have left earlier. You could have thought, oh, you know, I live in Toronto. Traffic is a normal thing. Right. Check <laughs> like on Google. Right, and now it's so easy. Google tells us everything pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, right. it's just
0: this crazy flip of the script of taking a hundred percent responsibility for all of our circumstances, and when you do that, you you start to see how you could behave differently, how you can make different decisions, yeah. and that leads us down this wonderful path. Oh, yes, love it, love it, love it, Maggie. This has been <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Um, before we before we jump here, uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, for the listeners on? what they can really do to become better leaders and grow their teams?
1: I guess the final wisdom is just embrace that growth and embrace taking responsibility. And yes, it can feel uncomfortable in the beginning, but that's okay. It's just the muscle or the processing emotions and allowing that discomfort. It's just a skill. It's a muscle you can grow. And when you grow it, it will actually become easier and it's not as as uncomfortable (laughs) anymore. (laughs) <laughs> to grow that yeah. resource so I just say try it out at least if you're like if you're already trying it just punch yourself in the back amazing keep going if you haven't just give it a try and see what happens
0: awesome so many actionable steps in this uh, interview I'm gonna have to listen to it a couple more times just to bullet point mm-hmm. them out because this has been just packed with uh, stuff you can start doing immediately where can the listeners find out more about you and how to work with you Maggie?
1: So the best way to find me, I guess, are two places or two, my website, stairwaytoleadership.com um, has information, my contact and all that. I have a podcast, it's called Diamond Effect. So you can listen to that just to get to know me more in terms of what I'm coaching, what I'm all about and so on. And then, you know, you can connect with me on social media, I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, like the basic ones. so
0: fantastic well we'll have links to everything in the show notes so listeners just click that little more button and you'll see the links right there um maggie this has been an absolute pleasure i'm so happy that we found each other in the universe aligned us and we're able to to have this great discussion and i look forward to staying in touch and uh, um just growing together it's gonna, it's gonna be phenomenal thank you so
1: much adam thank you for having me it's been a pleasure
0: All right, that wraps up for this episode, but don't let the learning stop here. Join us in the Facebook group where we'll be sharing the latest tactical techniques and tricks that we're seeing work in companies just like yours. Go to adamliette.com slash Facebook. That's A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E dot com slash Facebook.